A major night of news involving the alleged sale of presidential pardons, sexual harassment, anti-Semitic remarks, all sorts of allegations against Rudy Giuliani. Donald Trump is implicated in these allegations, and we'll get to that sort of subsequently. But let's start with where this all began, which is a lawsuit. The lawsuit has been filed by Noel Dunphy. We are naming her despite her status as the alleged victim because she uh, has gone public. This is not a situation where uh, there is a Jane Doe who's uh, looking to remain anonymous, at least publicly. Daily Beast article explains harassment suit against Rudy Giuliani full of graphic allegations. A New York woman says the ex mayor sexually harassed her while she was working for him claims that he previously denied. When you look at the article, you learn about the 70 page complaint filed in New York Supreme Court. This goes back to January where Noel Dunphy filed a summons, says she was hired by Rudy in 2019 for so-called business development work that he did not pay her as promised and subsequently fired her in 2021. The summons also alleges that Rudy Giuliani made anti-Semitic and racist remarks during, quote, confused and hostile alcohol laced tirades and demanded sexual favors. The lawsuit was filed Monday. Remember, the first step was the summons in January. We now have a lawsuit. The lawsuit includes extraordinary detail, much of it probably inappropriate for this show. It includes allegations of forced oral sex and intercourse, details of Rudy's sexual preferences, which is gag worthy. The revelation that Dunphy recorded some of the interactions. There are tapes. Lordy, there are tapes. And the lawsuit seeks $10 million in damages. A statement was put out by Rudy. It says Giuliani vehemently and completely denies the allegations, plans to thoroughly defend himself, that it is harassment and attempted extortion. Uh, I don't know that we need to go through all of these elements, but they relate to demands from Rudy that Dunphy work naked or in American flag laden short shorts that he purchased for her. These are like hyper specific allegations. I mentioned the forced oral sex uh, Rudy talking about fantasies related to the television show Billions that Rudy was constantly taking Viagra and would sometimes dear God point his erect penis and say work couldn't be done until that was dealt with. Um, video conferences would include re requests or demands for disrobing. There were text messages where these are included. The, I mean, the, this, you know, it's much tougher when there are recordings and text messages to write this all off as made up um, requests to shower together. Um, it, it, it's all it's all outrageous. And then one of the big elements of this, which we're going to discuss on its own because it is so outrageous, Dunphy. This is now from the article. Dunphy claims Giuliani told her he was able to, quote, break the law because he has, quote, immunity and asked if she knew anyone who needs a pardon because he was selling them for two million dollars. He told Miss Dunphy that he she could refer individuals seeking pardons to him so long as they did not go through the normal channels of the office of the pardon attorney, because then they'd be subject to disclosure. And this goes on and on and on. Uh, 2020's plan in February 2019, the complaint notes Giuliani told Dunphy about Trump's plan if he were to lose. Specifically, Giuliani said to Dunphy Trump would claim there was voter fraud and say he won. This was discussed at several meetings with Giuliani and Lev Parnas. This is absolutely stunning stuff, absolutely stunning stuff. There's another article which we won't go through in details from Business Insider. Rudy hit with bombshell rape lawsuit. Ex staffer says he demanded oral sex while he took calls from Donald Trump. Um, has America ever been more wrong about someone than about Rudy Giuliani after 9-11? I mean, that's one question that certainly comes up. Bill Cosby, I guess, maybe. And so much of the last five years now has to be sort of revisited or reinterpreted through the lens of this lawsuit, if you believe it to be credible. And I have no reason at this point uh, to, to doubt it. There are audio recordings. There are text messages. There is this is genuinely a bombshell. When we think back to that Borat scene, Sasha Baron Cohen, 
where Rudy Giuliani, after the fact, said, oh, I was just tucking in my shirt. It certainly seems less harmless in the wake of these new allegations. Dunphy has receipts, 20,000 emails, text messages and recordings. And let's not ignore this is a lawsuit. This is a civil proceeding. Let's not ignore the potential for some of those documents and records uh, to become relevant in potential criminal investigations against Rudy Giuliani. So that's the lawsuit. Let's now focus in on the pardon aspect of this. Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani are accused of plotting to sell presidential pardons as Trump's time in the Oval Office was winding down for the very affordable price, quite frankly, in context of two million dollars apiece, a former staffer says in a lawsuit. We've already discussed the uh, outrageous sexual assault allegations that are part of this lawsuit from former Giuliani staffer Noel Dunphy earlier in the show. I now want to focus in on the presidential pardon part. There's a Business Insider article that summarizes this quite well. On Monday, Rudy Giuliani was hit with a bombshell rape civil lawsuit filed by a former staffer. The staffer alleged in the lawsuit that Giuliani asked if she knew anyone who wanted to buy a presidential pardon. The suit says Giuliani said he was telling them, selling them for two million dollars, splitting the profit with Donald Trump. Now, where do you even start with this? We have said many times over the last months an allegation is made against Donald Trump and it's written off as obviously not believable. And then another allegation is made that is very similar and another one. And there are records and Lordy, there are tapes or whatever the case may be. There are already pre-existing allegations that there were all sorts of different ways that potential pardons were being shopped and uh, representatives were bringing them to Trump. And there were rumors of what about some kind of financial aspect to this. And now there is a lawsuit which says under penalty of perjury, that there was a plan between Giuliani and Trump to sell pardons for two million dollars apiece and to split the money. Is this proof that that was taking place? No. Is this proof that they did it and sold any pardons? It is not proof, but it is again corroboration of a pattern that has been alleged from sources who have no interaction with each other and don't know each other. Now, one of the most important questions to ask here, and it's a fair question and it's a question that we should ask, is it explicitly illegal for the president of the United States to sell pardons? The reason we have to ask this question is one of the things we learned during the Trump presidency is that just because there are things that Trump did or is accused of doing that no former president tried to do. That is not a guarantee that the thing Trump tried to do is actually against the law. And to some degree, one of the things that Donald Trump exposed through his presidency is that the checks and balances and separations of powers that the founders of the Constitution put in place never expected or assumed that there would be someone in power like Trump who might try to circumvent them. But let's get to the question. Is it explicitly illegal for a president to sell pardons? My research is that it is not explicitly illegal. There is not an explicit provision that says a president can't sell pardons or can't receive benefits in exchange for pardons. Benefits could be all sorts of different things. However, and this is where so many of these issues get complicated, there are legal experts that have said, even without an explicit provision saying you can't sell a pardon as president, you could indeed, as a president selling pardons, be violating other federal laws. Bribery. You just because you're the president and you're not explicitly barred from selling pardons doesn't mean you couldn't be charged with bribery uh, in accepting money for a pardon. Fraud. Obstruction of justice. Obstruction of justice is an interesting one. Imagine that the president sells a pardon to someone who's under investigation or under prosecution by the Justice Department by pardoning them potentially preemptively, you are effectively interfering with the administration of justice because you're saying whatever the facts point to, whatever the Justice Department, Justice Department thinks they have based on the facts and the evidence, I'm issuing a preemptive pardon. You're interfering with the administration of justice, and thus it could be an abuse of power or obstruction of justice. That all being said, those are not 
explicit provisions that make it illegal for the president of the United States to sell a pardon. And this is we learned this time and time again with Trump. We don't actually have strong enough checks and balances. Many of us might have assumed for a long time no one like Trump will ever come to power. So we don't need to worry about some of these checks and balances that aren't strong enough. Well, we very quickly learned that we do need to worry about it. We will see where this goes. Stunning blockbuster stuff. Twitter owner Elon Musk says he is for free speech. One of the realities about being for free speech is that you have to be for free speech or for speech that sometimes might cause uncomfortable consequences. This is the reality for so-called free speech absolutists. We are now learning that Elon Musk limited tweets in Turkey during the tight presidential election in which President Erdogan on Sunday failed to get to the 50 percent threshold. And now, as a result, that election will go to a runoff. Uh, there is a, a Rolling Stone article, Vanity Fair. Sorry. Twitter's Elon Musk defends decision to limit tweets in Turkey during tight presidential election. Uh Oh, is this free speech? Critics say the social media platform allowed the Turkish government to silence criticism. This is an article from a couple days ago by Jack McCordick. On the eve of the most hotly contested Turkish election in two decades, Twitter, uh oh, moved to block posts in the country in what critics argue is a capitulation to a call for censorship from Turkish President Erdogan. Uh, in response to legal process and to ensure Twitter remains available to the people of Turkey, we have taken action to restrict access to some content in Turkey today. Uh oh. A second tweet said the restricted content would be visible to the rest of the world. As we know, and as the Vanity Fair article explains, during his 20 years as president, Erdogan has methodically tightened his grip on power, undermining key democratic institutions. Um, Adam Schiff, former guest on this program, tweeted the day before a critical election in Turkey, Twitter appears to be acquiescing to the demands of the country's autocratic ruler Erdogan and is censoring speech on the platform. Given Twitter's total lack of transparency, it is hard to avoid the conclusion that Musk's promises of free speech have get again fallen away. Uh, Twitter didn't say which accounts it restricted, but Turkish Minute reported the censored accounts include Kurdish businessman Mohammed Yakut, who claimed Erdogan staged a 2016 coup attempt, and investigative journalist Severi Guven, who reports on corruption in the country. Quote, it's a disgrace to democracy and freedom of expression that Twitter has caved to Erdogan. Saturday, Elon Musk, Twitter CEO and self-proclaimed free speech absolutist, defended the restriction. Musk said, did your brain fall out of your head? Responding to Matthew Iglesias, the choice is have Twitter throttled in its entirety or limit access to some tweets. Which one do you want? Now, of course, the true free speech absolutist would say we are not going to bow to your authoritarian threats to block all of Twitter. We will not censor particular tweets at your demand. And if you do block Twitter in some total, we will shout from the rooftops and make it a global story of authoritarian censorship. That's how a free speech absolutist would handle those threats. But Elon Musk said, all right, we'll limit the content that Erdogan wants limited. Sadly, this is too common among those who claim that they are for free speech. And we've talked about it before with the MAGA people, free speech, free speech, free speech. Oh, force Twitter to publish my covid disinformation. Otherwise, they're bad and we will try to uh, restrict them or in some some persecute them uh, in the court of public opinion or potentially even legally. Well, then you're not really for the sp free speech of that corporation, are you? Now, is it Twitter's right to restrict access to whatever they want? Sure. No one's denying that what we're talking about is the selective application of so-called free speech absolutism from self-proclaimed free speech heroes like Elon Musk. We'll continue to cover it Monday Memorial Day. We are doing a one day membership special that is going to knock your socks off. It's going to be crazy. People probably should just wear flip flops at the time to not even have to deal with the socks being knocked off. Get on my mailing list at davidpackman.com. 
Monday Memorial Day, you'll get an email telling you how to take advantage of this stunning and appalling membership discount. If you deal with anxiety or depression, you may have tried meditation, exercise, diet changes, therapy, all of which are important things to try. There is also a new treatment that we've been talking about on the program for years, which for many people has been a game changer, and that is ketamine therapy. The research around ketamine therapy for anxiety and depression looks very promising, which is why I'm thrilled about our new sponsor, Mindbloom. Mindbloom is the leader in at home ketamine therapy, having safely helped thousands of people with anxiety and depression. It's delivered to your door. It's done from the comfort of your home. And unlike traditional talk therapy, ketamine works quickly and doesn't have the unpleasant side effects of traditional antidepressants. In a study of over twelve hundred mind bloom clients, eighty nine percent reported improvements in their anxiety and depression after just two sessions. Read about the evidence for ketamine therapy. We've talked about it on the show. It's pretty remarkable stuff. Mindbloom is offering my audience $100 off your first six session program. Go to mindbloom.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman. That's M I N D B L O O M dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for $100 off. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you Nerd Wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. When you're using websites and apps, your device sends out data about you into the open, who you are, where you go, things you like. That data then gets sold around for advertising purposes, which is why every time I connect to the Internet, I use a VPN to hide my IP address. And our sponsor, Private Internet Access, is the most trustworthy VPN on the market. It's the only VPN that has proven multiple times in court they don't log your activity. Private Internet Access protects you from the prying eyes of hackers, your Internet service provider, tech companies. Private Internet access is also super fast for streaming and for downloads. You can watch your favorite streaming platforms as if you're in another country like the UK to access cool new content. And with just one account, you can protect unlimited devices all at the same time. This is really a game changer. Private Internet access is giving my audience 83 percent off. That's 203 a month plus four months free. Go to PIAVPN.com slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. In the latest example of Ron DeSantis showing he's simply not ready for prime time and certainly not in a position to actually win a Republican primary, which he may very well enter. There are now rumors that he will announce in the next week or so. Ron DeSantis was asked yesterday. Did Trump lose in 2020? Can you just say like Trump lost? There wasn't all this fraud that Donald Trump talked about. And DeSantis weasels out and refuses to actually answer the question, instead talking about how there's a culture of losing in the Republican Party and blah, 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 blah. This is not a strategy that is going to win him the primary. I will explain why after we look at the clip. Listen to this. Standing for absolutely nothing. That should be Ron DeSantis's uh, campaign motto. You said during an event in Iowa over the weekend that the GOP needs to reject a culture of losing. Do you acknowledge that Trump lost and there wasn't all this fraud that he talks about? Well, I look at the last however many election cycles 2018, we lost the House, we lost the Senate. 2020, Biden becomes president. Or, no, excuse me, we lost the Senate in 2020. Biden becomes president and has done a huge amount of damage. 
very unpopular in 2022, and we were supposed to have this big red wave. And other than like Florida and Iowa, I didn't see a red wave across this country. And so I think the party has uh, developed a, a culture of losing. I think that there's uh, not uh, accountability. And I think in Florida, we really showed what it takes uh, to not just win. <laughs> the question was, did Trump lose? <laughs> these people are these are not serious people. Win big and then deliver big. And ultimately, when you're doing all this, uh, what results are you producing for people? That's really what matters. Uh, you can sit there and talk about cable news, social media, all these other things. That's not what the reporter was talking about. The reporter just said, did Trump lose? Things that, that, that people are fixated on. And for me, it's like, OK, what's that true north? Uh, you obviously got to win. Otherwise, you don't get a ticket to the dance. And did Trump win? You're not answering the question, sir. Once you do that, how are you going to be able to actually bring about big change to make people's lives better? Next. Yeah. Next. Yeah. This is not going to cut it. My friends, this this is wishy washy, weak nonsense. DeSantis is probably afraid of alienating the loyal Trump base and the loyal Trump base still seems to believe the obvious lie, the obvious lie that Trump lost. I'm sorry, the obvious lie that Trump won in 2020. They are unable to accept the reality that their guy simply didn't win. And so DeSantis is calculating, well, I can't just say, yeah, Trump lost and he should accept it because I might need some of those supporters. But the problem is that when you're asked, did Trump lose and you rant for 80 seconds about the midterms and who the hell knows what else you alienate every American who's sick and tired of the Trump lie that he actually won in 2020, which is, of course, almost every Democrat the vast majority of independents and many Republicans as well, although certainly not all. So DeSantis wants to have it both ways here. He wants to be seen as a great alternative to Trump, to the loyalists. And in order to do that, you have to sort of appeal to Trump's hardcore fans. But he also wants to be seen as the pr pragmatic leader who can win over moderates and independents and is willing to just talk in a, in a sensible way. But he seems completely unable to do both. You can't be an alternative to Trump. If you can't just acknowledge what happened in 2020, you can't be the leader of the future if you can't say definitively and clearly the 2020 thing is over. Trump lost. Biden won, period. So DeSantis, I think, is going to need to make a choice if he wants to actually have a shot at this thing, which may he may already not have. You either stand up to Trump and say, listen, we share some values, we disagree on others, but we need to ensure that there's a future for the Republican Party. We don't have that future if we keep dilly dallying about just saying what needs to be said. We were beaten by Biden in 2020, right? That, that's one. No ambiguity, no evasion. We need clarity, honesty. I will never lie to you. And the truth is Trump lost. That's one approach. It probably infuriates a bunch of the loyalists, and therefore there is no chance that they will even consider coming over to to DeSantis. The other aspect to this is maybe what DeSantis is trying to do is just avoid the issue of 2020. Like it could be calculated. It's 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 not about, well, I don't want to offend the Trump loyalists or whatever, but he's just saying I'm going to play dumb and ignore the issue altogether. The problem with that is you're not going to appeal to enough Republicans who want a fresh start and a new direction. You're not going to win back the people that Republicans lost with all of this lie BS if you don't very clearly inspire confidence by saying I'm willing to simply tell the truth. And so it's really a problem for DeSantis. And of course, the bigger problem for DeSantis is a mathematical one, which is no matter which of these approaches he takes. The average polling right now is roughly Trump 53, DeSantis 23, plus or minus a couple points. And as I've said before, simple math, if Trump already has more than 50 percent of the Republican primary vote, DeSantis can't win even with every non-Trump vote. It would only get him to 47 percent. DeSantis somehow needs to get some Trump voters to switch to him. And I don't think this approach is going to help him. He may be popular in Florida. He's not ready for prime time. 
He's not ready to take on Biden, but never mind that he's not even ready to take on Trump. So we'll see if we get an announcement from him. Uh, latest rumors are anywhere in the next seven to 14 days, one to two weeks. We may be hearing that announcement from uh, Rob de Sanctimonious, as he was most recently called by Trump on Troth Central. There was a whacked out event at Trump's Doral Resort in Florida where Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the big we I guess I would call him like an anti-vax pseudoscience dignitary who rose in the age of covid. Dr. Peter McCullough, see if you can follow this. Okay, he suggested at this completely bonkers event. The covid vaccines cause autism. Autism turns people trans. Therefore, using our what is that? The commutative property from algebra pre algebra. Therefore, vaccinations cause trans. This is really weaponized stuff. It must be something happening to the children, something in the in the air in the water or the food. One theory is that it's hyper vaccination from an accelerating childhood vaccine schedule. Huh. So he's saying it's it's vaccines in general, not even just the covid vaccine. That's a theory. It's not really a theory. We spoke about this yesterday on the voicemail. It's not actually a theory in the scientific sense. It's the idle speculation of someone who has no basis in fact for making the claim. But we should have an all hands on deck. Oh, yeah. Manhattan Project to figure out what is causing autism and how can we stop it? Because once it's present, I can tell you as a doctor, it's very difficult to treat. And as as a parent, any of you with autistic children know as a parent, it can take everything you have as a person, sometimes for the rest of your life as a couple to deal with a severely autistic uh, affected child. All of you know that. Autism now is critically linked as these children are coming forward in large numbers to transgenderism. Whoa. Yes, the two are linked. Imagine cheering for that. So do an inventory of what you have. Do an inventory of your family and of your friends. Gather together and understand this mental contagion is infectious and it's spreading. And we've seen the chapters now, COVID the illness, COVID vaccination, a wave of autism that's just burning us, and now transgenderism. These- All right. So the, again, the argument he's making is vaccines cause autism, autism causes trans. Now, a little background on Dr. Peter McCullough. He regularly has spread uh, baseless and ultimately debunked uh, medical misinformation. Uh, he's a cardiologist. He said we should be using hydroxychloroquine for treating covid. Uh, That was determined. He said that at a time when there was no actual good science saying that that was effective. We ultimately found found out hydroxychloroquine is not effective for covid. He did the same thing with ivermectin at a time when we didn't have a reason to believe ivermectin was effective. Ultimately, a double blind randomized controlled trials determined ivermectin is not effective and on and on and on. Now, let's talk about a couple different things here. First of all, the wave of autism. There is a question and we're going to actually do an interview on the show about this coming up. Is there really more and more autism or are we now understanding how to better diagnose it? And there were lots of people who 20 years ago would never have been diagnosed, but they were autistic. I've spoken to friends of mine about classmates we had in third, fourth grade, and we now realize And they have since been diagnosed as autistic in their 20s and 30s. They were always autistic. It just wasn't understood as well at the time. And so there's a question as to whether there is a wave of autism or the diagnostic criteria are better understood. Regardless, there's no evidence that vaccines cause autism. This all goes back to 1998. Dr. Andrew Wakefield put a study out in The Lancet prestigious medical journal. The study has since been retracted and Wakefield has lost his license. It claimed on the basis of 12 children that there was a link between the MMR vaccine and autism. 
the study was retracted. Wakefield was found guilty of fraud, ethical violations, financial conflicts of interest. The data was bias selective and falsified, and he lost his medical license. Even if vaccines caused autism, which they don't, there's no logical or biological reason why autism would turn people trans. Some autistic people may identify as trans. Most don't. Some trans people may be autistic. Most are not. There's no evidence that vaccines cause autism and that autism influences gender identity. But this is a hero to the MAGA right. This is the MAGA Republican right at an event held at Trump's Doral Resort. One of our sponsors today is Fume. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad part from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award winning device that does exactly that. Fume is not electronic. There's no vapor or harmful chemicals. Fume is just a delicious flavored air that makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts, which is great for fidgeting, which can be great for people breaking bad habits. Look at what people online are saying. They weren't sure what to expect, but ended up loving the taste and the feel. Stopping is something lots of people put off because it's difficult to do. But switching to fume is easy and enjoyable. There's no reason that you can't be the next fume success story. Head on over to tryfume.com and use the code Pacman to save 10%. When you get the journey pack, which comes with the device and three flavors, that's tryfum.com. Code Pacman saves you 10% on the journey pack. The info is in the podcast notes. By now, all of us know how creepy it is to talk to a friend about something and then get ads that are related. When you use a free email service from a big tech corporation, your emails are scanned, even if you're emailing your spouse or your doctor, which is why I recommend Startmail, the email service that never scans or analyzes your email. Our sponsor Startmail also lets you create unlimited email address aliases so you don't even have to give out your real email address. This protects you from spam and phishing attacks. Phishing attacks are becoming way more sophisticated with the rise of chat GPT, by the way. Startmail lets you encrypt any email you send, even if the recipient isn't using encryption. Unlike the big tech email services who store even your deleted emails, when you delete an email in Startmail, it is gone. Migrating from your current email service to start mail is just a few clicks. So what are you waiting for? Stop letting big tech corporations spy on your email. My audience gets 50% off your first year at startmail.com slash Pacman. That's S T A R T M A I L dot com slash Pacman for 50% off. You can find the link in the podcast notes. Today, we're going to be speaking with Christopher Key. Christopher Key is a political activist, a former fitness professional, and also the leader of a group called the Vaccine Police. Christopher may be, um, uh, you may recognize him. My audience may recognize Christopher because he has been in the news over the last year or two for both drinking and injecting urine for reasons that he will certainly tell us about. Christopher, I appreciate your time. Welcome. Uh, brother, my tie just fell off. <laughs> well, I think uh, we'll be able to persevere. Christopher, let me mention just so I our know, audience. Brother, I fear no man. I fear not Satan. Let's do it, brother. Go ahead. Uh, I will let our audience know. It, I believe you're either recording or streaming our interview on your end because you are you don't trust that we'll run the interview as recorded. Is that correct? That's what you told me before we started. That, that is completely correct, brother. I trust no, no one in the mainstream at all. You, you guys are. Um, prostitutes and, and talking parrots. But go ahead. Good. So since we're both recording it, we'll have total clarity as to what's said. So yes, let's start. Uh, when did you begin to drink urine and do you drink only your own urine or do you drink other people's as well? Um, I drink my own urine, brother. And again, I did. I started this nearly 24 years ago. Uh -huh. um, I heard um, a medical doctor talk about this, and I'm like, that guy's a crazy nut. Mm. And then I heard David Avocado Wolf. Avocado? Um, he, was 
David Avocado Wolf is a good friend of mine. And I heard him talk about it. And David's a little out there, but um, I trust the man. And then I heard a third medical doctor talk about it. And I, I, I like everybody, I believe that you should trust your Lord and Savior and test and prove all things, brother, not some things, but all things. And I'm like, really, Lord, I got to really test and prove piss. And I began to do the research and I got the book, Your Own Perfect Medicine by Martha Christie. And I read through that book and I'm like, oh, my goodness, brother, this could be real. Um, and again, this is liquid gold. And what you don't understand, David. Well, hold on, Christopher. I, I'm I apologize for interrupting already. We have about 15 or 20 minutes and I, you know, I want to learn by asking you questions, but it has to be a back and forth. So I was just asking how long you had been drinking your own urine and whether it's yours or other people's. I think you answered that. So let me I, I will mention to my audience two of the folks that Christopher mentioned, David, Wolf, David Avocado Wolf and Martha Christie are both known medical disinformation purveyors. You can look them up. Christopher and I will disagree about that. And that's OK, Christopher. I just am being clear with my audience. Is that OK? Yeah, completely understood. OK. But Second question. Your question, it was yeah. 24 years off and on for 24 years. And yeah. yes, it's my own urine. I don't drink anybody else's urine. OK. What conditions do you believe drinking your urine may cure or prevent? Again, brother, I'm not a medical doctor. I would never practice medicine without a license. Um, again, I tell everybody, don't believe nothing I tell you, but do what the Lord commands each and every one of us to do. And that no, is but test. my question, but just what is your believe me, Christopher, everybody who watches this knows you're not a medical doctor. So don't worry about that. I'm just saying, what do you believe the urine does for you? OK, well, let, let me go in real quick to help you understand this. You understand as a layperson that any poison that comes in your temple, your temple instantaneously creates antibodies. Yes or no? My temple, like the temple in my head. What do you mean? You're, you're, I, I call the temple your body because that, that's what God calls it. it. It's the body. So do you understand any poison that comes into the body? Your body instantly creates antibodies. Yes that no? is not my understanding of the medical science, but but neither one of us are doctors, right? Correct. OK, Correct. good. So I'm um, just curious, what is it you're treating or preventing with the urine? I don't treat or prevent anything, brother. I, I I drink it myself because I know it's the perfect photonic memory of when the cells were healthy. Okay, because I know through medical science, any poison that comes to this temple instantly the the temple creates antibodies. Your liver spins it and you piss it out. And I believe all you have to do is take it back in. And let me give you an, an analogy real quick. If you were to get bitten by king cobra, you would take anti venom, correct? I would. I don't know. I've. It's never happened. I don't know what I would do in a snake bite. I'd call my doctor. Okay, call your doctor, and your doctor would give you anti-venom. Do you know how they create anti-venom, David? You know, I don't. I just don't know if it's relevant to why you no, take no, urine. Very, it's, very, it's very relevant, okay, because relevant. the way they create— It's, it's very relevant. The way they create anti-venom is they take a snake, whichever snake it is, the king cobra, for instance, they milk it, they get that venom, they then inject it into a horse or sheep, okay? They can inject it into any animal or any person because instantaneously— that animal will create the antibodies. It's now in their blood, so they then re-inject the horse or sheep, pull out the blood because the blood now has the antibodies. They spin it, and that is how anti-venom is created, David. Okay, but Christopher, is can can we is there an answer to the question? What do you believe drinking urine does for you? Beautiful. Um, I believe anybody that's taken the bioweapon are going to be dead in two to five years, and I believe the antidote. For those that have taken the bioweapon, what is the bioweapon? The bioweapon is what they call COVID-19 vaccine. It's not it's not a vaccine. It's a bioweapon. OK, but Christopher, all, all before we get to it. that, before we get okay. to that. And of course, many people received their first vaccine years ago and they're fine. So I don't know if you'll eventually fine. extend it to five to seven years or seven to nine. But Christopher, I want to wait a second. Yeah. You've been you've been drink, drinking the urine 24 years. The COVID vaccines have only been around a couple of years prior to the covid vaccines. What did the urine do for you? Now you're saying it protects you from the covid vaccine. But before the covid vaccine, what did the urine do for you? Again, as I told you earlier, and I don't remember if you understood or heard that it's the perfect photonic memory of when the cells were healthy. So I believe any poison that comes in the temple, the temple creates antibodies, the liver spins it and you piss it out. And I believe one of the best things you can do is take it back in, not to mention it is billions and billions of stem cells. Do you understand? You've already drank your own urine, David. Do you understand that when you were in your mother's womb, you drink your own urine? Did you understand that or no? No, that's not my understanding of uh, mammalian gestation. But uh, Christopher, let me ask you. Let me ask you a different question. 
Is there any medical science that supports any of what you're saying here? Specific studies you can point to? Yeah, I, I sent your co-producer um, a long list, and anybody out there would get the doc. I mean, the the book, um, Your Own Perfect Medicine by Martha Christie. There is lots. That and book's lots been of widely debunked as disinformation. Let me ask the question a different way: Is yeah. there? Can, I know you sent Pat a bunch of stuff, but now we're yes. this is the show, right? The audience yes, doesn't sir. see what you sent Pat. Can you cite a randomized controlled study proving the efficacy of drinking urine? Uh, Again, I am dyslexic. I'm LD. I'm ADHD. um, I'm D and dumber. And and that's what's so sad. If I can figure this out, David, why can't you take the time to do your own research and your audience do your own research and understand that the temple that God created, he created it perfectly. You know, why Christopher, this is a show like it's not it's not super interesting to be like, hey, we're doing a show, but you refuse to cite any of the evidence and tell the audience to Google stuff. What I'm asking is, can you cite a single peer reviewed study that will tell us what drinking urine will do versus a placebo? Again, I sent all the data to your to your friend, your your co-producer. Yeah, I'm giving you those clinical studies. And um, I mean, why can't you put them up on, you know, for uh, a click link? Again, I, I don't remember the actual side. The reason the I can't put them up, Christopher, is we didn't find in going through your list anything that would meet the standard of a randomized placebo controlled urine trial that proves the efficacy of drinking urine for any condition preventing or treating. If we if you had sent us something that met that standard, it would be all over the screen right now. But you're saying you don't remember them, but you've been doing this 24 years. Again, I told you I'm dyslexic. I'm LD. And for me to remember a specific study number, no, um, I sent you the book. And again, your own perfect medicine by Martha Christie that you're saying is debunked. Your, your listeners are, are smart enough to go do the research. OK, whether smart enough to understand or not, Fair. It, it's to be seen. So we'll ahead. leave it at you is it would it just so we can move on is it fair to say you assert the existence of such studies you're unable to name them here but the audience can google it is that a fair place to just pause on that so we can move on your own perfect medicine on martha christie yes okay you've moved on it seems from only drinking the urine to also injecting it is that true um, I have, and again, I'm not a medical doctor, and I would never tell anybody to inject their own. No, urine, I, know. I, have, I know. I have injected my own urine. Correct. What because was the I reason? Believe, hold on a second, Chris. Go ahead. What was the reason to switch from drinking to injecting? Uh, again, I drink and I also inject. I do both. Okay. okay because many of your listeners understand stem cell therapy, correct? Some of them may, but I'm just wondering why you made the switch. Uh, again, because I believe urine has billions and billions of stem cells, especially if you age it, okay? And instead of spending twenty-five dollars to $50,000 going to Mexico or going to different countries to get stem cell therapy, I've got my own stem cells in my own urine. So I chose, after doing the research, to inject it into my shoulders that I've had reconstructed. Is the goal when you inject to get it into the muscle, into a vein? Where, where are you trying to inject it? Again, you're trying to get me to practice medicine without a license, and I no, 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 no. I'm just asking what you do. I I inject it into the muscle, but I would never tell anybody else to do that. Believe me, no one's going to do it based on you telling any saying anything on this show. Okay, so you inject it into the muscle. You talk about aging urine. Now, this is something that's interesting to me. Do you ever? I I apologize for the you know seemingly strange language, but do you ever? season or flavor the urine in any way? Um, the, the, the aged urine can be very, very strong. So yeah. I have added stevia to it um, to make it a little bit more palatable. Stevie, I, I would have to kind of chalked you up to be more of like a Manuka honey type guy. Uh, hey, I, I like that also, but I, I've chosen to use stevia. Um, when you talk about the um, situation with the covid vaccine, which you've talked about, and then just to be clear, just so we're meeting all of the guidelines of all of the platforms that we're on, uh, my views on the covid vaccine are very clear. I believe that it is a safe vaccine. I think the new ones are not. Hold on a second, Christopher. We each get time to talk. I believe that the the newest vaccines are not effective at preventing transmission, but are effective at preventing death and serious illness. Just to put that on the record, Christopher, say that that again. I need to hear say that one more time. You believe what? Well, it's it's, I believe 
all of the data that I've looked at suggests that against the newest variants, the bivalent vaccine is very good at reducing the chance of death from covid and not good at preventing infection. Okay. As far as the covid vaccine goes, you and I don't know if you're familiar with Sherry Tenpenny. Does that name ring a bell to you? It it, it does. Okay. You and Sherry and others have been saying that tons of people are going to be dead from the vaccine imminently. A thousand went out over a thousand. Let me just finish the question, Christopher, on the playing field. And you're not talking about that. Hold on, Christopher. I have yeah, to be ahead. able to ask a question. I'm, I'm being polite and giving you time. Let me just ask my question. Every time that you and Sherry say this sort of thing, the time frame is always just beyond where we are with, with sometimes it's it's six months from now and now it's been years and everybody's fine and then it's two to five <laughs> years, et cetera. Why do you think the timing for the mass vaccine death always is just a little bit into the future? It's not, brother. Have you not seen what's going on with insurance companies around the world? I mean, they're, they're showing you we're having death here in America like we've never had before. OK, you understand that if you take this bioweapon, the number one side effect is clots, myocarditis, strokes, heart attacks and death. It's plain and simple. And you don't Christopher, know, let, Christopher, oh, hold go. on a second. That's misinformation. That's misinformation. That, that misinformation the number brother. one side effect. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's be really clear. The number one side effect is arm soreness. The number two side effect is a flu like malaise. The number three side effect is headache. And the number four side effect is fever. That's the truth, Christopher. Are you willing to admit that? Again, from the data that you're looking at, those are some side effects, but also blood clot, strokes, heart attack, death and myocarditis are side effects. Would you admit that? Yes or no? I would admit that there are some people who have had myocarditis and pericarditis. I don't believe any have died from it. And of course, the odds of that are a fraction of the odds of muscle soreness. Is it fair to say, Christopher, that when 90 seconds ago you said the most common side effect is clot? Are you willing to admit that's not true, that the number one side effect is muscle soreness? Um, okay, muscle soreness would probably I, I will consent to that, that that okay. may be. Are you uh, willing to concede that fever is more common than myocarditis? That fever is more common than myocarditis. Um, that is very possible. How Are you probably- willing to concede that headache is more common than pericarditis? Again, you're, you're talking about three very simple things that can happen with anything. So, yes, no, but Christopher, you, be- you, you're the one who asserted that those are the most common side effects. And now you're admitting that they're not. So that's the big admission from you, isn't it? Again, I believe the, the most things that people need to understand. OK, yeah, sore arm, fever. Those are all very, very possible. But blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, myocarditis, and death is very, very likely. And, and again, if dying of COVID is less than 1% of 1% of 1%. And, and why you would take this bioweapon that we know we were the experiment. They, they told you in the package. But Christopher, do you see how it's right, tough to bro, take you seriously? Right. It's tough to take you seriously when you, with full and total confidence, say the most common side effects of the bioweapon are clot, heart attack, stroke, death, blah, 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 blah. And then within 90 seconds, you're admitting, hey, you know what? What you just said isn't true. What David said is true. Would you understand that it's hard to take you seriously when you say inject urine? No, no, I would not, because, again, you know, fever and muscle armness. Muscle armness. Again, I misspoke. So excuse me. I apologize. Okay, I'm I'm not as articulate as you are. That's okay. Okay, but I'll try. Um, I believe, again, those are common side effects for any and all shots that you get. Okay, so I'm telling about true things that can cause death. All right. This is all right. I got you that this is your this is your view as a non doctor. Okay, let me ask you this. You have um, entered some locations, including Whole Foods, including Walmarts, et cetera. Yes, what do you do when you, you is it that you yell things at the pharmacy no, staff? Not, what not do you at all, do? Brother. What, I, what I do, let me answer. What I do is I go in and I give them the 11 undeniable facts regarding all 
vaccines, brother, regarding all vaccines, and I put them on notice, okay? And once they've been put on notice, if they continue to inject this bioweapon into the people, we can then hold the, them civilly and criminally liable, and it's very likely they will all be hung because there is going to be Nuremberg 2.0, brother. The, the, one of the things you need to understand, and hear me when I say this, I've been part of four national championships, three Super Bowls. No, but Christopher, we, you, we can't just steamroll this stuff. You've made a, you've made a claim. I want to understand it. Who's going to be hung under what law? Who, who gets hung here? Nuremberg 2.0 is coming, David, and those people that— blindly did not do the research and understand what is happening. They can Eleven undeniable facts. Do you understand, David, in 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe in White versus Bristol. Do you not understand that? I'm I not familiar with that case. I, no, but yeah, Christopher, let me, let me, I really... Let me, you, let, me tell, let me tell you this, okay? I know what I know because my greatest accomplishment in life, David, is I'm a father. My twins were born with one of the most rare diseases on the planet called phenylketonuria, otherwise known as PKU. Well, they'll never eat protein, no milk, no chicken, no cheese, no fish, no birthday cake, no ice cream, nothing that has protein will they ever eat. If they do, it becomes toxic, goes straight to the brain, and causes the most extreme mental retardation, David. And because of their rare disease, I was forced, like everybody else should be doing, test and prove all things. And when I asked my pediatrician 24 years ago, can you show me the study that this new schedule's safe? And he said, sure, Christopher, they're everywhere. And I said, can I see it? And he said, right now, and I said, you're damn right right now. You're about to inject my children. He said, nobody's ever asked me that, but I'll have it for you by your next appointment. My next appointment, David, I went in. Oh, boy. And he won't look at me. And he says, Christopher, there are no studies. But, Christopher, they have to be safe. They've been approved you know, Christopher, by the, FDA, um, the CDC, I, the AMA. Why are you going to yeah. act like that? David, As we talked about you, um, before the interview, you know, we had about 15 to 20 minutes today and we're kind of coming to the end of that. I think you actually just maybe told us the most important thing in this entire thing. And I actually am developing radical empathy for you, Christopher. And I'm going to tell you why you just mentioned something very interesting. You said your kids have this rare condition, phenylketonuria. Yes, sir. PKU. That is a condition that affects many things, but it affects the urine significantly. Yes, it I actually believe and I feel I feel empathy for you for, for this. I think it's possible you've become obsessed with urine. Because of this condition that your children have, which makes the, the urine musty and mousy. And I feel really bad about that, Christopher. I think that that's what's going on here. Is that possible? No, brother, it is what's possible here and probable is. I did what my Lord commands each and every one of you to do, mm. and that is test and prove all things. And when I began to look at the vaccines, that led me down looking at the food that's all genetically modified. That, that led me to look at what they're spraying in the sky. That okay. led me to look at the poison. Your government, David, they don't love you, brother. They're not here to keep you safe. And your listeners out there, you may think I'm crazy, but anybody out there that's listening to David, I challenge you. These little pain chips that you laugh about, anybody out there, so many people are in pain right now. These little chips, they work. When we did the randomized double-blind placebo studies at my University of Alabama. Christopher, people don't even know what you're talking. Christopher just put a sticker on his forehead, which he says uh, cures pain. Christopher, listen, let's have you back to talk about the stickers because we're just out of time. I, I do. I have feelings of radical empathy for what is going on with you. We've been speaking with Christopher Key. He's a political activist, a former fitness professional, the leader of the vaccine police. And Christopher, as I told you, we don't cut these interviews up. We're not going to take you out of context. It will air as recorded. And I really do appreciate your time today. Brother, I so appreciate you allowing me to come on and tell my part of my truth. And anybody out there that's listening, my phone number is 205-936-9803. If you give me your name, address, and email, I will send these out for free yeah. to prove to you that this is real, brother. All right. Christopher Key, I appreciate your time, sir. Love you. Don't forget about my deer antler velvet, brother. The product that go. was banned by the NFL, the PGA, Major League Baseball, and the NCAA because it works so well, brother. All right. Thank you very much. One of our sponsors is Zippix Nicotine Toothpicks. Don't you think it's time you stopped putting smoke and vape oils in your lungs? Zippix Toothpicks are a convenient way to curb the nicotine cravings. Zippix Toothpicks are super discreet. You can use them anytime, anywhere. Smoking and vaping aren't allowed, including flights, sporting events, in restaurants. They're available in six different flavors with options of two and three milligrams of nicotine. If you're not a nicotine user, Zippix also offers caffeine 
and B12 infused toothpicks. Zipix has already helped tens of thousands of customers ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vapes. They might be able to help you too. If you're a smoker or a vapor, give Zipix toothpicks a try. Your lungs will thank you. Go to zipixtoothpicks.com today. Save 10% with the code PACMAN10 at checkout. Just remember, you must be 21 or older to order. That's zipixtoothpicks.com. Use promo code PACMAN10 at checkout for 10% off. That's PACMAN10. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, this is really a good one. Even Fox News host Larry Kudlow is now saying to Republicans, it really doesn't seem like you have evidence that Joe Biden committed any crimes. The example we're going to look at is from yesterday. This is Larry Kudlow talking to Republican Senator Ron Johnson. Remember that the context here is that they supposedly have a whistleblower or informant or an informant on a whistleblower with evidence of Biden crimes. They or he or she is missing. They quite literally they say we don't know where the person is. And it's all just a comedy of errors. And now even on Fox News, Larry Kudlow is like, you know, you don't really seem to have the evidence. And Ron Johnson goes with a classic conspiracy line, which is the lack of evidence is the evidence because it proves that the criminality has been covered up. This is a classic among conspiracy theorists. Listen to this, folks. This is just just embarrassing for these people. Biden himself, as vice president and maybe as president, has not yet been clearly fingered. Uh, the so-called he is. That's actually that's correct. They, I mean, they're trying, they're pointing, but there has not been a successful fingering of Joe Biden. That Kudlow is willing to admit it. Good for him. And maybe as president has not yet been clearly fingered. Right. Uh, the so-called bribery allegations, pay for play by national, affecting some kind of uh, policies. Hasn't that last step or two, Senator Johnson, we haven't really fingered him. And yep. I don't know how important this informant is informant. I don't know if there's anybody else that could do it, but it seems to me that's going to leave a very big missing link. <laughs> yes. Called evidence. Well, we need all the bank records. I know James Comer hasn't been able to get all the bank records, but let's face it. Criminals hide their criminal activity. Ah. Uh, they don't make it easy for people to uncover their wrongdoing. And so these investigations are, are, are painstaking. You've got to you know, pick at one piece of evidence and try and follow that thread to the next piece. Mm. And again, when you've got a complicit and corrupt media that won't report the truth oh. that shows that in terms of all the evidence we already do know of the corruption of the Biden family. Right. But we still elect this guy president and they're still covering up for him. It's, it's a real issue. That's a sitting senator casually referring to the president of the United States as a criminal absent any evidence whatsoever. And listen to what he said. The lack of evidence is the evidence because criminals cover up their crimes and it's the media's fault. This is classic conspiracy theory, circular reasoning, where the conclusion is assumed to be true. And if there's evidence that contradicts it, it's dismissed as part of the cover up. If there's lack of evidence that contradicts it, it's dismissed as part of the cover up. Example, QAnon, right? None of the QAnon predictions have come true. That would seem to suggest QAnon isn't credible. Debunks the conspiracy theory, right? Wrong. QAnon believers believe that the media is simply not reporting that Q's predictions have come true. And therefore, Q is right because the media is lying by not reporting how Q's predictions have come true. Oh, well, hard to argue with that, right? because it's an indefeasible statement. So how do you deal with this? I don't know. How do we prevent people from falling into this this trap? There's not a simple answer. Conspiracy theories are extraordinarily complex, and we've had so many interviews about that. There's a psychological component, social, cultural. There's a political dimension, and there isn't a one size fits all kind of solution to disabusing people of conspiracy theories, particularly lack of evidence is part of the evidence. So it's like a broken record. We need to educate people in critical thinking, how to evaluate a source of information, understand whether a statement being made is a statement of fact or a statement of opinion. What is evidence and what is speculation? What is accepted science and what is pseudoscience? All of that. 
we need to engage with the conspiracy theorists respectfully and empathetically, which I understand is really tough to do because many of their ideas are certainly worthy of being mocked. And then third, we we need to create an environment where abandoning these conspiracy theories is welcomed rather than I told you you were an idiot. We need to make the environment where you abandon the conspiracy theory a welcoming one where it's like it's so great that you came to this conclusion. I think this is great. And, you know, honestly, having done this, you'll probably be less likely to fall for stuff like this in the future, that sort of thing. But it, it, it is not an easy task. And when even on Fox News, they are getting to you seem to kind of be lacking evidence here. You know that there is absolutely nothing there. And that is abundantly clear at this point in time. Marjorie Taylor Greene is weighing in on the missing whistleblower or informant who is fingering Joe Biden with crimes, as Larry Kudlow said. She doesn't care that there's no evidence. She doesn't care that the whistleblower is missing. Marjorie Taylor Greene believes that the whistleblower will end the presidency of President Joe Biden. Listen to this. They're whistleblowers. Yes, they are missing. They're either in court, uh, they're in jail, or we cannot talk with them at this time because they can't be found. This is a very real situation that we're. (laughs) It's very real, except there's no evidence and the people making the claims are missing. But it's totally real talking about. And our investigation is so important, Steve, um, that this will bring down the president of the United States. (laughs) And I want to let everyone know something. We're going back to the Treasury Department today at one o'clock because we have more financial records that we have to review uh, leading to the Biden family and Joe Biden himself. Is it possible that the whistleblowers were evaporated by the Jewish space laser run by Soros and Klaus Schwab or whoever is in control of the thing. You know, they should really put Mike Pillow in charge of the whole whistleblower thing. If Mike Pillow were in charge, it it would just be two more weeks until we get all of the whistleblowers evidence and testimony. Naturally, of course, it would be perpetually two weeks until we got it, but at least it would be only two weeks. You know, these people, it, it is funny. OK, when you see Marjorie Taylor Greene's face and she she's pretending to see her or maybe she is seriously saying this whistleblower is going to be the end of the presidency. This is going to be it for Joe Biden. He's not going to be able to survive this. There is a funny component. I admit there's a funny component, but these are people who for generations have said we are the party of law and order and yet forget about evidence of crimes without even probable cause without reasonable, articulable suspicion, without a single document that we might count as evidence, without even the whistleblower, the whistleblower is missing. She can say with a straight face, this is going to be the end of Joe Biden's presidency. And if it were up to them, they would have already removed Biden, despite the fact that Biden has done nothing to make himself worthy of removal from the office of the presidency. That's really the scary thing. And tens of millions of Americans at minimum have fallen for it. And they may reelect. They may reelect Marjorie Taylor Greene in 2024. They may put Trump back in the White House in 2024. And so the takeaway here is we cannot put our guard down. The Eggman called the voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P and said, you know, We cater to delusions all the time. Republicans keep talking about catering to delusions when it comes to trans. But what about the fact that all these Republicans are constantly catering to delusions from Christianity when it comes to making law in the United States? The Eggman says it much more eloquently than I do. Tulsi Gabbard to Kaylee McEnoodles said that catering to the delusions of the trans people is just bad politics because it's such a small population. If they were delusions, she's absolutely correct, Dave. However, catering to the delusions of the Christian slash Catholic God believers is good politics. Ask Trump. Shalom. Right. Right. Yeah. No, there is a double standard and we know that there is a double standard when it comes to, well, 
you know, uh, uh, Corinthians and John and Paul, they say the following about poverty or abortion or gay marriage. And we should be taken seriously when in a civil government proceeding, we invoke our scripture to influence what the law should be. Take us seriously. Well, but a lot of people don't believe that you could you could say that that is a religious delusion of yours that you're imposing on everybody else and saying, listen to me, go by what I believe based on the supposed sacred nature of the text that I'm probably misunderstanding anyway. But then when it comes to trans, then they have a very different perspective. The Eggman is absolutely correct. I have very little to add. We have a fantastic bonus show for you today. We will talk about Paul Gozar facing questions over a staffer's alleged far right links. We will talk about the new IRS free e-filing system that the tax prep giants are furious about and vice media once worth more than five billion dollars has filed for bankruptcy. The latest in the media downfall that is afflicting many Buzzfeed News and others. All of it on today's bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. You'll get instant access. Otherwise, I'll see you back here tomorrow.